Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Round Table, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today we are discussing Love by Chance 2, season, I'm sorry, Love by Chance 2, episode 4. This season is currently live. It's being played, I believe, on te- on television networks in Thailand. You can also watch it on Vicky Rukatan, and they're uploading it as each um, episode is released onto YouTube. Um, certain people are doing that. If you really want to get a good subtitled one, though, you'll want to go to Vicky Rukatan for that because the others are not subtitled very well, and the speed is off for the subtitle delivery, I'm just saying. But this episode follows Tin Can A and Pond and Can Sister. Um, I did like this episode. It's a little hard in parts because you have all the craziness that Tin has in his family, I'm just saying. But it opens up with... Tin Hornswoggle's um, can and his sister into eating dinner with him. And um, he also finds out why Can is named Kent is because Can is because he was named after Cantaloupe, which his mother ate when she was pregnant with him. And his sister Lemon is named Lemon because that's what she ate when she was pregnant with her. And um, Can is feeling terrible that this guy found out, Tin found out his nickname's origin. And Tin looks at him and goes, well, at least you had parents that cared enough to give you a name. And then there's a scene right after that when he and Can and Tin meet outside the restaurant. And he said, basically, what are you talking about? And he said, well, my mother only named me Tin because it matched my brother's name. And you actually found out that he was joking with him, but the real origin of his name must be a lot harder, because he said, would he really be okay if he knew how I really got my name? And um, so there's that scene. Then Tin takes Can and Lemon home to their house, and he also hornswoggles um, Tin into uh, a kiss, which drives poor Can up the wall. He doesn't know what to handle this with, and he's very upset. Well, the next morning he wakes up, and as usual, Ken is always late for school. He's got a biscuit in his mouth. He slipped on his sneakers, and he's running for the gate, hoping to catch a drive-by motorcycle taxi. And he comes out of the gate, and there Ken is with his car getting ready to take him to school. And he's going, what is up with this? Why is this guy doing this? What is going on? Because Ken is pretty of the bent that Tin is joking with him, being a jerk, um, messing with him just as like a ha-ha moment. And so he gets deposited at school. He thanks Tin for the ride and asks him to shoe. And um, Ken does not shoe. I mean, no, sorry, Tin does not shoe. Tin is not a shooing person. So, um... Tin gets out of the car, and he says, you know, I'm going to continue to behave this way. And he goes, why are you doing this? Are you doing this to me nuts so that everyone at school thinks you're hitting on me when you're just being a jerk? And he goes, I'm not being a jerk. I'm being serious here. And Ken is just trying to figure this out because he's really confused. And also, Ken does not have a lot upstairs. So I'm going to be saying... You know, even if he figured it out, it would be difficult for Can to grasp. I don't mean that bad at all about Can, because, you know, you're, you're given what you're given, and that's that. But, um, so you've got that. You also have A has kind of turned a corner. 
thanks to a friend named Mai. I don't know, I don't think Mai was in the first season. I'm really not sure who Mai is. But Mai came and got him basically out of the dorm, dressed. You know, it's the three S's. Um, shower, shave, and show up. You know, that's what we call it in America. I don't know why. But anyway, you know, you shower, you shave, and you show up. And the three S's. So Mai gets a shower, shave, show up, and he says, you know, you always wanted to volunteer here at the school. Here's a volunteer opportunity. Why don't you go do this? And so A does sign up for the volunteer opportunity, and then he also does in this episode, I'm not sure where this is going to lead to because I'm kind of curious about it, but um, A takes a picture, has Pond take a picture of him, and he wants to upload it onto his profile and do a status update. And you're going, this is kind of weird for A. I'm not exactly sure where he's going. I wonder if he's doing this to somehow reach out to um, Pete. I mean, I really don't know why he's doing a status update. But anyway, A is taking a picture, doing a status update, and getting ready to volunteer. Um, Pawn's trying to help him. But as usual, you know, Pawn's Pawn. But, you know, I think A is kind of turned. Sorry, yawning here. But I think A's kind of turned a corner here. And he's doing a lot better. I mean, he's not great, okay? He's still having trouble. He's still, you know, having difficulty breathing. But, you know, he's turned a corner. And he's going, I'm going to be okay. I mean, maybe he's not there yet. But I think he can see it on the horizon. Maybe even there's a little bit of a fog that creeps in on little cat feet. You know, it's like he can barely tell it's maybe going to get better. It's not maybe going to get... Like, you know, as good as it was, but it's going to get better. And, you know, I think in the end, it will be better than it was for Pete. I really do, I'm mean, Pete, for A, and also for Pete. But I'm just saying, I really don't think that this is going to be, like, the detrimental thing that screws up their entire lives. If anything, I think it's probably going to be the thing that makes it so that when they do get back together, it will be a longer-lasting relationship because they had to put up with all this. Never mind. So I'm just saying, I think it'll be okay for A. Um, Tin and Can are a really weird ball of wool, but, you know, I think they work, and I think also Can gives Tin the ability to play. And, you know, some people may not be familiar with Shakespeare's work, The Taming of the Shrew, but the whole point of that work is people have to learn to play. And that's harder for some of us than others because, you know, some of us come out into the world and we are not really bent for play. We are bent for perfection and achieving goals. And, you know, that's okay. And some of us are born that way. Some of us are made that way. Some of us have that thrust upon us. I mean, it just depends. But there are people that come into your life that teach you how to play. And that can be in a romantic relationship. That can be in a friendship. That can just be, you know, the random person you meet at the grocery store that goes and makes you think of something that you maybe didn't think about before or makes you reevaluate something. I mean, I know from my own life, it's kind of strange, but it's like I teach a lot of ESL in my I don't really have freedom. In my freer time, I teach ESL because I love working with um, people from Asia and finding out, like, most of my students are in their 20s. And the thing I like about it is they're still curious about the world. And I don't mean it weird, but it's like when you talk to 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds, they've lost their curiosity. They do the same thing at the same time. And, you know, routine is good, 
but it can also become a rope that binds us and makes it so we don't fly and soar like we're supposed to. And I think what Can does for Tin in this show is I think Can helps Tin learn to play. And I know that sounds really weird, and you know, there really should be better reasons that you end up with someone than they taught you how to play. But you know, I can think of a lot worse reasons for ending up with someone than they taught you how to play. I mean, really, there are a lot worse reasons. And I think the thing that can brings to the floor that helps Tin is he helps him realize that it's okay to be, you know, the unloved kid. And to know that, you know, somebody's there going, I'm sorry that happened to you. Because Tin has never had anyone do that before. And Ken may be kind of a stupid idiot. I mean, there's really no denying that. But he is this honest, very kind, in a weird sort of way, um, individual. And he is, I mean, I think there's this very, there's this very interesting scene, I think, in the last episode where... Tin is sitting there, he goes, he acts like a five-year-old. And he just kind of sits there and ponders that for a moment. But I think that's kind of what Tin needed, was he needed somebody who was going to help him know how to play, know how to pivot better, because Tin has no filter. He does not know how to pivot. He is kind of sitting there, scrambling, trying to figure out the real world in very um, dire circumstances. I mean, I don't mean it weird. Tin's life has not been easy. And, you know, he didn't react to that well, but he really didn't have anyone to show him how to react to that well. So I don't really blame Tim for that. I just sit there, sit there and go observo. But I think that, you know, the thing I find interesting about it is sometimes you do need the cans in your life. And not necessarily to give you words of wisdom, but to help you realize that there are good things about knowing how to play. It's like, with my ESL students, I love to watch how they stay curious about things, how they're still interested in things, how, you know, they can be studying the subject for over a month and still have a curiosity about it. And, you know, most people don't have that after they reach a certain age. I don't know, we're just like, to me, it's like your curiosity should be the last thing to go in life. I mean, I know according to, I believe it's in, um, you know, some people believe that when you die, your mind is the first to go. And I mean, I don't know how that works, but I'm going, to me, in my opinion, my mind is what makes me who I am. I mean, my mind and my soul are kind of wrapped up together. And I hope that the last thing to go would be my curiosity. Because if I quit being curious about things, I won't have the ability to react to life and the things that come up with the same elasticity. And I think it's important to keep that. It's like, in the past year, as I've been teaching the ESL and doing this, it has led me to do other things that I wouldn't have thought about doing, like, you know, taking a TOEFL certification and getting that so that I can go teach ESL anywhere I want in the world. And, you know, finishing up, um, you know, I did my college, but finishing up and taking and getting another degree, which it's going to take like another year, and I'm sitting there going, why am I not doing that? Why have I sat there for like the last few years and gone, I don't need to do that? Because there's really nothing stopping me. And it's like the Brian Andres quote, which if you haven't seen Brian Andres' works, Google it. He's got amazing quotes. He does the statuary. He is super, super cool. He's written published books. You should definitely check out Brian Andres. But this is a digression. But he has this quote where there's two people, and they're looking at this, and the one woman says, I can't do that because it would mean I crossed the line. 
And they say, well, what is wrong with crossing the line? And she said, you know, I don't even know why I put the line there, but I've got the line there. And then she sits there and pulls herself out of herself and looks at the line and goes, maybe I need to have another line. Maybe I need to just erase this line and create a new one. And I think in life, a lot of it is the people that help us the most are the line erasers. And it's not because necessarily they're full of wisdom or knowledge. It's because they're there and go, why don't you do X? And you're sitting there going, you know, why don't I? Do I have a really good reason or have I just pushed it to the corner because other stuff has come up and that seemed more important at the time? And you know, at the end of the day, I think that those people that push us and make us ask questions about ourselves are the ones that really help us move forward. Even if it's just, you know, that random person you meet that goes, what made you do X? And you're going, what did make you do X? What what led me to do this? And why did I do this? And I think that those people are the people that you kind of need in your life. I mean, maybe not for like the life partner, like this tin and can thing, or, you know, even this temporary relationship partner, because you don't know where this is going to go. But I'm just saying... I think for Tin and Can, that's kind of why their relationship got started, so to speak, is because Can helped Tin ask why. And, you know, Tin had all this bottled up stuff, and he didn't know why. He didn't know to ask why. And, you know, Can may be like a five-year-old, but part of that's good because he's sitting there going, you are acting this way because you were unloved. And he's going, my goodness, that is why I am this way. But this is the first person to ever say it that way. And now I can process that. And it might not make it easy. It might make it darn difficult. But at least now I can process and verbalize that that is why I am the way I am. And that is, I think, a very healthy thing to do. It's also sometimes a very difficult thing. And, you know, a lot of times in life, you know, all the stuff happens at once. Um, You know, over here we have a saying, it rains, it pours. I think in India they have a saying that basically says, the trouble all comes at once, and I'm probably saying that wrong. But it's like, it's not just one thing. It's like, you get hit with one thing, then you know, you get sideswiped by the other, and then, lo and behold, the truck comes and tries to hit you from the front. And you're going, it's not because of karma, it's just sometimes life does that. And you don't really know why, and sitting there like Joe asking why is probably the not the use of, you, good use of your time. And I think maybe it's about reevaluating your lines, figuring out what does, you know, because a lot of us get really comfortable with our lines. We sit there and we go, this is my line. This has been my line. This is my routine. You know, I've done this for years. And you know, it's not that routines aren't bad or aren't good. I mean, I have a weekly routine that every week on Friday, I go in like a crazy woman. I wipe off all my kitchen counter surfaces. And then on Saturdays, I usually end up cooking for about three hours in the afternoon. So I have all my food cooked for the week. And you know, that's a good routine. I mean, it works for me. It keeps me from having to cook during the week. And then I can spend my week, you know, doing things like these podcasts or, you know, working on my blog at the little greenhouse on the corner.com, which I really need to get back to working. But, you know, or, you know, the other stuff I do with my audio and film production work, which you can check out, you know, at the hand network or the collaboration comic con that we run or the get to the gate comic con convention. I'm, I mean, I have a very extensive list of things and having the routine on Fridays and Saturdays really helps make my week a lot easier. But you know, also I think that if your routine is something that you stick to too much, 
it can be bad. It can be detrimental to your well-being. I mean, if you can't figure out, you know, that sometimes, you know, if a friend calls and wants to go do something on a Saturday, you know, drop everything. Go have time with that friend because you don't know when you'll have time with them again. I mean, to me, that is the crux of it. If your routine has gotten so ingrained in you that you can't drop it to go be somewhere with someone or go do something that you, you know, would want to do, then I think that routine is detrimental. And you know, again, this is kind of an offshoot, but I'm just saying, I think that's why Tin and Can's relationship worked. Now, you know, with Pete and A, their relationship was built primarily on care. And again, Pete's not in this. He's trying to deal with the fact that Pete's not there in this ep- in this season. And you know, I really am going to be interested to see how that one plays out because I don't know with Pete's personality how he's going to do if he's I'm not excuse me with A's personality how he's going to do if he's not able to be back with Pete at some point because. I really think that could be seriously hazardous for A. And I don't mean about it's like some people do okay and it would be different if Pete were dead, but since Pete is alive, I'm really not sure how A is going to handle that in the long run. I mean, I really hope for the best on that, but you know, it's just I'm saying I think that's going to be really really hard for A. Now with Pete, I mean, I'm not saying Pete doesn't care about A, but I think Pete's the kind of person that it's not the same kind of thing with him and a. It's more like, you know, I know like in the show Pete really cared about A, but I don't think it would be something where, you know, should the years pass, I think Pete could probably be happy with someone else. With A, I don't think that would happen come hell or high water. But, you know, that's just my little bent on And it's not saying that Pete is bad. It's kind of like if you go back to my Persuasion podcast um, about Jane Austen and that letter and women loving the longest even when all hope is gone. I mean, I think that kind of that thing is what's going on with A and Pete. Because A, I don't think he would be okay with anybody but Pete. Pete, I think he would be okay in a few years with somebody else. I mean, if he really didn't think there was any possibility, he'd probably settle down and be okay. But A, I really don't see that happening to. And so this is going to be interesting as this progresses to see what happens and how that evolves. My guess is that you're left thinking that after three years... Um, A's probably buying a ticket to wherever Pete is and he's going to go track him down. But you know, that's just my personal opinion on this after seeing it through episode 4. This episode I would not watch with children just as a mild little side note here because you do have a little issue with again the soccer coach and his relationship with I think his name is Al-Kai? I'm not sure. But anyway... That's not going too well, and there's some things there that you might not want to have with the kitties because um, the soccer guy and his boyfriend and his the soccer guy's brother, I mean, it's just kind of a mess, and I really think the brother's despicable. I mean, not that... I really think the most despicable person is the boyfriend of the soccer coach is really, really despicable. I mean, I'm not trying to be bad, but on the level of despicable, I would rate him at a 10. Because my opinion is if he really cared about the soccer coach, then he wouldn't have done what he did in season one of um, Love by Chance. That's all I'm going to put there, and I'm going to put a period. But, you know, and then if the brother really cared about his brother who's the soccer coach, he wouldn't have done what he did in um, Love by Chance season one. And I'm going to put a period there. So I put both the brother and the soccer coach's boyfriend up on a tin of despicality. 
which I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm making that a word because that seems very fitting for their behavior. And, you know, then we have the soccer coach who is sitting there, and he really doesn't know what led to X. And I think if he knew, it would be really, really hard for him. And he'd probably want to go punch a couple people. I'm not going to name any names, but you can guess. So, you know, that relationship, I really don't even see where we had that in this show. It's kind of ephemeral, in my opinion. And it's ephemeral in a very um, despicable way. And I'm not blaming the soccer coach for it. Because, you know, people do stuff when they're drunk that they wouldn't do when they're sober. So I'm just going to leave a period there, too. And, you know, it's not that they're not responsible for those actions, but... I still say that he's not the one that's really to blame on this deal as much as the boyfriend of him or the person who wants to be the boyfriend of him and his never-mind brother. Okay, so that I would not watch this episode with kids. Again, episode one and two I would think would be perfectly fine with kids. Episode three I just wouldn't do with kids because of the innuendos. And this one doesn't really have too many innuendos, but I just wouldn't do it because you do have the soccer coach and that issue that kind of rises up and is a bit of a problem so I just would avoid that with small kids and that's my opinion on that um, again I am liking the series I really like the music to it too I'm going to drop a link in the description to the um, music videos um, for this um, ep for this season and you can click through and watch that if you like and with that Anna out check it at the round table bye <laughs>